Wow, what a what a great time! What, children, uh, you did a fantastic job, and the uh, instrumental at the beginning. I think this is probably the best Christmas service that I have ever been in, and uh, so glad that to be here, and so glad that you're here with us as well. Well, this morning is a very special morning because. Uh, It is Christmas Day, and we are gathered to worship the one who came in Bethlehem that was prophesied so many years before, and all came to pass as God had given it to the prophets. So with that, I want you to, I'd ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read a section from Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, he begins like this. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, The heart of Ahaz and the heart of the people shook as trees of the forest shake before the wind. And then he, uh, reading from verse 7, Isaiah says, Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, it shall not come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is resin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is the son of Remelah. If you are not firm in your faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol. Or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And she'll call his name Emmanuel. Now to Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is verse 18. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to worship on this Christmas morning. The, the morning we celebrate as the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came in, Beth, who came to, uh, in Bethlehem, born in Bethlehem in a, in lowly, in a lowly state, laid in a manger, there with the cattle and the sheep and the shepherds. Father, we are so thankful for your plan of salvation which came to pass on that morning. And we worship you today through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we thank you for the gift, the unspeakable gift that you have given us in him. Bless this time of ministry in your word and glorify yourself through it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When Joseph found Mary was pregnant, it brought a wrenching pain into his life. But then, as Joseph pondered on the situation, an angel of the Lord came in a dream to settle his mind on what was happening. The Lord was about to tie all the loose ends together for Joseph. What he didn't understand before, all the hurt that he had experienced through this would soon be gone. He would soon be healed in his mind and trusted God's word that was sent to him. We can, one can only imagine the swing of emotions that Joseph would have felt. He would probably have gone from discouragement to delight, from hopelessness to happiness, and from confusion to clarity. Now he would be anything but discouraged and anything but afraid. The angel's message gave Joseph all he needed to know about what had happened to Mary and about the child that she was carrying. This pregnancy was caused by the Holy Spirit to a young woman who was still a virgin. And that's what we're talking about this morning. The absolute essential character of the birth of Christ was the fact that he was virgin born. Now, the prophet had had prophesied that uh, years and years before it ever took place. Matthew in his gospel doesn't just hint at the possibility of the or the probability of a virgin birth. He dogmatically and openly teaches that that was the case. It is plainly emphasized 
In verse 18, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit before they came together. In verse 20, that which is conceived in of her in her is of the Holy Spirit, he says. Verse 23, the virgin shall be with child. Verse 25, he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Verse 25 again, her firstborn son, not their firstborn son. It's very emphatic. It's very to the point. The repeated emphasis on the virgin birth of Christ makes the deniers of that miracle truly blatant unbelievers of the word of God. No one is saved that does not believe in the virgin birth of Christ. For it is from that very thing that salvation comes. Finally, the angels tell Joseph what he would be and what he would do. She shall bring forth the son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. His commission is found in his name. Joseph was to name him Jesus. Jesus is the, is the Greek or, uh, form of the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua. And it literally means Jehovah or Yahweh will save. The name Jesus testifies of the salvation of God in saving sinners. But the child to be born of Mary would not only testify of the salvation, He would provide it. He would bring it to pass. He himself was that salvation. Peter preached it in Acts chapter 4 when he said there is salvation in no other, no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He writes to the Corinthians, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In fact, the name of Jesus is so central that God's plan and purpose will one day find itself centered around the centrality of the name of Jesus and every knee will bow to him and say he is Lord. The primary ministry of Jesus in saving is saving people from their sins. The problem with mankind is that he prefers to be saved from troubles rather than from transgressions. He wants physical healing more than spiritual wellness. He desires political rest over soul rest. By his own sacrificial death on the cross and his triumphant resurrection from the grave, Jesus would save his own from their sins. All of those who are drawn to him by the Father, from sin to repentance, who receive faith to embrace his saving work, that is his mission. That is the message of Christmas. It's not just a little baby born in a, in a manger in a stall or a cave. 
It's the fact that he came to die. Born to die for sinners like you and like me. Jesus said it. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So with that, with that story comes what was prophesied hundreds of years before. The prophecy that Matthew repeats is that which we read from Isaiah chapter 7. There is a, there is a clear, straightforward example of biblical inspiration in these promises. The human instrument conveying the word and promise of God to people. Now the history of Isaiah 7 is somewhat necessary to understand why God made this statement in verse 14 of chapter 7 of Isaiah as he did. The historical background, we find this, the scene in chapter 7 is of King Ahaz in Judah. King Ahaz was the grandson of King Uzziah. You remember Uzziah went into the holy place and burned incense and God struck him with leprosy and he died. He finally died of leprosy. Ahaz is his grandson. Ahaz took the throne at the age of 20. But Ahaz was a wicked king. Uzziah served the Lord. Until that time, pride entered his heart and he went into the temple. He served the Lord and Israel worshipped the God of heaven. But Ahaz came along and he set up idols all over Jerusalem, all over Judah. So the people were worshiping idols. In fact, he re, he reestablished the worship of Molech, which was the evil god that they sacrificed children to. Ahaz sacrificed his own son. He burned his own son on the altar of Molech. There was a coalition that was formed between Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the king of Israel, against Ahaz. Their avowed objective is found in verses 5 and 6. Because Syria, with Ephraim, the son of Ramaliah, has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it and conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. It was the, it was said as the dethronement of Ahaz in order to replace him with another king, Tabeel, that would do the bidding of these other two kings. In the face of such a threat, the people of Judah and the royal line of David, which is Ahaz, instead of turning to God for help, sought the help of Tiglath-Pileser, who was the evil and wicked king of the Assyrians. In fact, so afraid was Ahaz that he took the gold and silver from the temple and sent it to Tiglath-Pileser as payment for help. Verse 2 states their reaction of the royal house of David. They came under a paralyzing fear and they shook 
as trees shake in the wind. Isaiah came to Ahaz and reported that God would deliver the people. If Ahaz would simply call for a sign from the Lord. And he made it easy. He said, you can ask anything you want. Any sign, and I'll give it to you, is a sign from the depths of hell all the way to the heights of heaven. Just ask anything. And Ahaz refused. He refused to ask the Lord for a sign. And so when Ahaz refused, Isaiah said, then the Lord will give you a sign. Himself. And this is the sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And so, we find in this, uh, in this section that Isaiah told Ahaz that no one could destroy the nation of Israel or interrupt the royal line of David. Notice that phrase, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Give you a sign. The word you is plural. He's not just speaking to Ahaz. He's speaking to all of Israel. All of the royal line of David, which is encompassed in the name Ephraim. Even though the people came into the hands of Tiglath-Pileser, who destroyed the northern kingdom and overran Judah on four different occasions, God preserved his people as he always does. He had made the promise that a virgin would have a son. And that son would save Israel from their sins. He would save all his people from their sins. And that trickles all the way down to you and to me, those of us who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord, who have come to find him as our treasure in life. That's the history of the prophecy. But there's great honor in the prophecy as well. And that's found in the words, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Without the virgin birth, there's nothing. We have no hope. There's, there's no salvation. There's been much controversy over that word virgin from the Hebrew. It's the word Alma. The Old Testament use of Alma favors the translation virgin. It's used six times. The first usage is in, G- in Genesis chapter 24, verse 43, where um, Abraham's servant went to find a bride for his son Isaac. And it says that when he went, he was speaking to Laban. About Rebecca, his future bride of Isaac, he said, Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, whom I will, to whom I will say, Please give me a little drink from your jar. That's the one. She was a virgin. The word Alma is used. It is never used to speak of a married woman. So the concept of the virgin birth was understood by the Jews, not only from Isaiah's prophecy, but also from Jeremiah's prophecy, chapter 31, verse 22. How long will you waver, O faithless daughter? For the Lord has created a new thing in the earth. A woman encircles a man. 
No mention of, of a man involved in this. Just a woman encircling a man, a, a male child. In fact, the rabbi's explanation of that verse was that the Messiah would have no earthly father. The birth of the Messiah would be like the dew of the Lord that drops upon the grass without the action of a man. Matthew uses the Greek term for virgin. Parthenos, which means a virgin, a woman who has never known a man. The virgin birth of Christ is clearly found in all the genealogy of Jesus Christ from verses 2 of Matthew chapter 1 all the way through to verse 15. And you find fathers begetting others who carried on the line all the way down through verse 15. In fact, the virgin conception of Jesus forces a grammatical change in the genealogy of of Christ at the end of verse 16. Look at it with me. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Now, I want to just do a little bit of unpacking of this, this last verse, this verse 16. And show that the virgin birth not only was prophesied as it was by Isaiah and Jeremiah. But Matthew also gives this indication in the genealogy of Jesus. Notice it says, and Jacob was the father of Joseph. The word father tells us that Jacob fathered Joseph. He beget Joseph. He brought forth Joseph. An active verb showing that Jacob was active in bringing forth Joseph. The same word is used that way all the way from verse 2 through 16a. And then it stops short at the end of 16 and it says, the husband of Mary. Now why would they say that? Why would he stop short when all from verses 2 through 16a... He's used the word father, begetting father, begetting father. And now he talks about Joseph being the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus the Christ. The words of whom are the key words here. The literal reading says, out of the midst of whom was born Christ. So it's not talking about Joseph, it's talking about Mary. To remove further doubt about this, he uses the words of of whom in the feminine gender to prove that he's talking about Mary and not Joseph. Many have tried to disprove the virgin birth by saying that it was Joseph. But there's so much evidence here that that could not possibly be the case. He is simply the husband of Mary, not the father of Jesus. The phrase, the husband of Mary, indicates his legal position. Legally, he was Mary's husband. All this was made possible because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. What an honor for a young woman 
who has never been with a man to give birth to the Son of God. In fact, it was such a it was such an honor that Mary in her in her prayer of thanksgiving in Luke chapter one makes the statement, My soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary needed a Savior just like everyone else. She was not sinless. She was godly. And she knew the Lord. She knew the God of Israel. But not sinless. There's great history in this prophecy. And there's great honor in the prophecy. But there's also great holiness in the prophecy. I want you to notice that last line. They will call his name Emmanuel. Which means God with us. Aren't you glad for that this morning? He is here with us. He's not some aloof God far away that we cannot connect to. He is not some uh, transcendent being that has no dealings with us. He is with us. He is God with us. Emmanuel now bears a much deeper meaning than it was possible in Isaiah's day. Because we, it can, we have the very living Messiah living within us. Something they did not have in the Old Testament. Because Jesus does far more than to testify to God's presence, He is Himself God. And now has come personally to be with His people forever through His indwelling Spirit. In fact, Charles Spurgeon writes, Emmanuel, God with us in our nature, in our sorrow, in our life work, in our punishment, in our grave, and now with us, or rather, we with Him in resurrection, ascension, triumph, and second coming splendor. Without the virgin birth of Christ, we would not have God with us. And Jesus would not be here with us today. It's a miraculous thing. An amazing thing. This virgin birth of Christ. The name Emmanuel goes farther in meaning when one considers the other benefits of God with us. For example, He is not only God with us, He is God for us. He is on our side. He has our back. He is watching over us, constantly leading us as His sheep and as His children. He hears our prayers. He knows our longings and desires of our hearts. Paul writes to the Romans, Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, He was raised and is at the right hand of God who is interceding for us. Hebrews chapter 7 says He always lives to make intercession for us. There are so many other promises where God is for us. I'll just give you a few. Romans 5.8, Christ died for us. Romans 8.31-32, if God is for us, Who can be against us? He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. 
2 Corinthians 5.21, he was made sin for us. Galatians 3.13, he has become a curse for us. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, he gave himself up for us. Over and over and over, he is Emmanuel, God with us and for us. Last of all, and I think most intimate is that he is not only God with us and for us, but he is God in us. He's God in us. Think about it for a moment. Those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ in the forgiveness of sin, we have the very living Son of God, the creator of the universe, the God of all eternity living in us through his indwelling spirit. That's an amazing thing. Listen again to the scripture. John 14 verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Romans chapter 8 again. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. He writes in 1 Corinthians. The testimony of Christ is confirmed in you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 6. The God of our Father, the God, the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Over and over again. God with us, God for us, God in us. Is he in you this morning? Is he for you this morning? Is he with you this morning? There was a time during the horrible persecution of the Jews by the Nazis in Poland that an old Jewish cemetery keeper came into the cemetery one morning and found that during the night a woman had crept into an open grave and there she had given birth to a son. She had died in the cold, but the child was still alive when the cemetery keeper found it. And when he found the child, he said to himself and to others about him, This must be the Messiah. For only the Messiah could choose to be born in a grave. Well, the child wasn't the Messiah. In fact, the child died before the noon of that next day. But the truth of which that cemetery keeper spoke is absolutely accurate. Only the Messiah of God could choose to be born in a grave, a place of death like this planet Earth. With all of its sin and corruption. Only a God who exacts his own plan with accurate power and sovereignty, could come into the midst of all the pain of life and all the death and bring grace to save sinners like us. That's the message of Christmas, folks. 
that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom we are all the foremost. Do you know him this morning? Is he your Lord? Is he God with you in the forgiveness of sins? You say, well, I don't know. Have you repented of your sin? Have you turned from your self to Christ and belief and faith? That's why he came. To save people just like you and me who had fallen and who were sinners before him. I pray that you will know him this Christmas if you don't know him now. I pray that you'll bow before his greatness and seek his forgiveness and repent of your sins and trust Christ as your Lord, your Savior, and Master of your life. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, for the virgin birth of Christ, and for the promises that you made through your prophets that came to pass just as you said they would. That Christ Jesus came into the world, he gave up his life, bled out his own blood on a cross, died there in shame, carrying upon his head the sins of us all. And I pray that you would remind us, Lord, that it didn't end there, but that he rose the third day, victorious, triumphant, over death, over sin, over Satan, and even over our hearts. Save the lost, I pray, this Christmas. Draw your people closer to you in recognition and appreciation for what you have done in their lives. And receive the glory that is due your name. This we pray in the name of the only Savior, the only God and King, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel. Amen.